You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Come listen, you fellers. So young and so fine, and seek not your fortune. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 463. Today is September 3rd, 2022. It's a Saturday, and I need to talk with you about. President Joe Biden's speech Thursday night streamed live on YouTube. I just finally had a chance to listen to the whole thing this morning and I've got some thoughts and I have some responses to some of what is said. Actually, a lot of what is said, the meat and potatoes of uh, about half of the speech the other half is a lot of fluff and stuff, but uh, about 10 minutes worth, I think, really should be replied to. It should be unpacked. And uh, so what we're going to do, here's, here's how our format will be. What we're going to do is we're going to play a clip here and there, an extended clip at the beginning, so you have plenty of context. This is kind of the beginning of his ramp up to speaking out against what he calls MAGA Republicans. Essentially, it's just Donald Trump supporters, people who voted for Donald Trump, who believe in the whole Make America Great Again idea. He rants. I think that's the way to put it. He rants against Donald Trump supporters and Donald Trump, Republicans, conservatives, independents who think what Donald Trump was trying to do was really great and that the election was stolen. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump right in. I'll play this extended clip. Hang with me because on the other end of it, I will have some commentary. But here you go. This is from Thursday, September 1st. Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. Take a listen. That is the work of my presidency, a mission I believe in with my whole soul. But first, we must be honest with each other and with ourselves. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. These are hard things, but I'm an American president, not a president of red America, blue America, 
but of all America. And I believe it's my duty, my duty to level with you, to tell the truth, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful. And here, in my view, is what is true. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. They refuse to accept the results of a free election. And they're working right now, as I speak, in state after state, to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th, brutally attacking law enforcement, not as insurrectionists who placed a dagger at the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots, and they see their MAGA failure to stop a peaceful transfer of power after the 2020 election as preparation for the 2022 and 2024 elections. They tried everything last time to nullify the votes of 81 million people. This time, they're determined to succeed in thwarting the will of the people. That's why respected conservatives like Federal Circuit Court Judge Michael Ludwig has called Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans quote, a clear and present danger to our democracy. But while the threat to American democracy is real, I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy. There are far more Americans, far more Americans, from every, from every background of belief who reject the extreme MAGA ideology than those that accept it. And folks, it's within our power, it's in our hands, yours and mine, to stop the assault on American democracy. I believe America is at an inflection point, one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now, America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, or a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, together, we can choose a different path. We can choose a better path forward to the future, a future of possibility, a future to build and dream and hope, 
and we're on that path moving ahead. I know this nation. I know you, the American people. I know your courage. I know your hearts. And I know our history. This is a nation that honors our Constitution. We do not reject it. This is a nation that believes in the rule of law. We do not repudiate it. <clears throat> this is a nation that respects free and fair elections. We honor the will of the people. We do not deny it. And this is a nation that rejects violence as a political tool. We do not encourage violence. We are still an America that believes in honesty and decency and respect for others. Patriotism, liberty, justice for all, hope, possibilities. We are still, at our core, a democracy. And yet, history tells us the blind loyalty to a single leader and a willingness to engage in political violence is fatal to democracy. For a long time, we told ourselves that American democracy is guaranteed, but it's not. We have to defend it, protect it, stand up for it, each and every one of us. That's why tonight, I'm asking our nation to come together unite behind the single purpose of defending our democracy regardless of your ideology. So, okay. <laughs> we'll take a break here for a minute or two and respond to some of this. With respect, the call to action is an odd one where people who voted for Donald Trump comprise also a very large portion of the United States of America, where people who think that there was massive, widespread, significant, and sufficient fraud in the 2020 election make up certainly a large portion of the people that I know and talk with. The idea that the president of the United States of America would tell the American people in prime time on TV and over the internet, live streaming, et cetera, et cetera, from Philadelphia, from Liberty Hall, with red lights at night, <laughs> creating this ominous glow to the building behind him, with Marines flanking him in the background, that people who he describes as MAGA Republicans are a threat to democracy are the threat to democracy, that their questioning of the 2020 election or not believing that it was free and fair is a threat to democracy. The big question is, what do you want to do about it? What do you want to do about it? What do you want to do to MAGA Republicans, as you call them, who think that the Make America Great Again idea was not just sound, but necessary, but essential for us to move forward in prosperity and liberty and justice for all. What do you want to do about the politicians, elected government officials? What do you want to do about the voters who voted for Donald Trump? What do you want to do about the voters who voted 
and don't believe that we had a free and fair election in 2020. What do you want to do about them, President Biden? When you're calling them a threat and seeming to imply they're the greatest threat to our country, it certainly seems as though you are declaring a kind of war on Donald Trump, the former president of the United States of America. It certainly sounds as though you are declaring war on people who voted for him and people who don't believe that you should be president right now, don't believe that you actually truly won the election. If that's your call to action, to label them essentially domestic enemies, what do you want to do about it? And more to the point, is this speech designed to intimidate and terrify people who voted for Donald Trump, people who supported him, people who would vote for him again in 2024? Is this speech actually supposed to strip supporters and followers from Donald Trump? Is it supposed to strip support from folks Donald Trump endorses who are running for various offices across the U.S.? Is this supposed to strip support from people who object to the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago? It certainly seems so. It's a very ominous and dark and, I dare say, sinister speech. You're not just stating intentions in the sense of, here's what you want the outcome to be. You're framing the disagreement and the contention between you and the former president, the previous duly elected president of the United States. Not referring to him that I can recall. I didn't catch it if you did. You're not referring to him as former president Donald Trump. There's no respect, no love lost for understandable reasons, but you're talking as though, you're acting as though he is not the former president of the United States of America, as though he wasn't a duly elected president of the United States. And then saying, you denounce political violence as if, in context, as if to insinuate Republicans are the ones threatening violence or carrying out acts of violence. You know, in some measure here and there, sure. But the context is key. When the initiative is to combat climate change, to save the planet, even at the expense of our power grid, when you're hiring 87,000 IRS agents, many of them with a mandate to be armed with deadly weapons, but yet, on the other hand, you're wanting to tell Americans, we should be glad that you are trying to control our guns, but you're going to give guns by the tens of thousands to a militarized internal revenue service, even as the FBI under your presidency has raided the home of the previous president, who exactly is carrying out the political violence here? I remember January 6th and watching footage from the Capitol 
on January 6th, seeing everything unfold, seeing the size of the crowd as former President Trump was speaking in Washington, D.C. I remember seeing the crowd right outside of the Capitol building. I remember seeing common folk getting into the Capitol building and seeming very much as though they were being let in. And that is fishy. That's highly irregular. Yes, there was violence. Also, there are sound reasons to believe that undercover FBI agents were there as plants trying to instigate violence. There's also evidence that Antifa and Black Lives Matter showed up and were instigating violence and trying to vandalize the Capitol building, pretending very much like the Boston Tea Party, pretending to be someone they weren't, that is, MAGA Republicans, as you call them. The whole January 6th business seems to me like the burning of the Reichstag. You're seizing on that as an excuse to go after your political opponent, to go after a wide swath of America, even as you're calling for unity, even as you are patting yourself on the back publicly as if you represent democracy. Now, that's a curious thing to say you're not talking about mainstream Republicans who you've been able to work with for a long time. But see, that's the problem with flyover country as you see us with rural America. We don't like the extent to which establishment Republicans have worked with you Democrats to give you what you want inch by inch, little by little over the past several decades. We don't like that. In fact, we're pretty upset about it because it has meant the exporting of a lot of blood and treasure of Americans overseas for many causes, which we're not so sure were worth our blood and treasure being exported overseas. And all the while, Republican and Democrat alike, we see a lot of you establishment types who have been in office for decades as institutions that don't represent us. And so then along comes somebody who is saying things we agree with, communicating a lot of principles that we identify with, proposing a lot of ideas that we think sound very reasonable, actually, surprisingly reasonable after decades of being marginalized, mocked, ridiculed. You know, what's curious, as you listen to the speech, the president of the United States of America is saying we're going to mil- we're going to build uh, America back better than ever. We're going to make it better than ever. America is going to be greater than it's ever been. But yet, at the same time, he's denouncing the vision of making America great again, which means that a couple of things follow. One, he objects vehemently, angrily, to the idea that we have become less great due to policies and proposals and initiatives and ideas and actions taken by men like Joe Biden, whether senator, whether vice president under Barack Obama, now as president, we do not think that your choices, your contributions to the American story have made America even maintain greatness. We see a grievous loss of prestige, 
and prosperity and security as China is threatening Taiwan, where the majority of the world's semiconductors and microchips are manufactured. China is threatening to take Taiwan, and we may well find ourselves in World War III very shortly as a result. And then what? Food supply being disrupted in the Ukraine by Russia under Vladimir Putin invading that country. The response from the Biden administration has been reactive when, if it had been more proactive, if it had been predicated on building American strength at home, on sound principles, arguably, Putin would not have gone in and tried to take all of Ukraine, like he is still in the process of doing. We would not have given over tens of billions of dollars and trillions of dollars worth of investment, but tens of billions of dollars worth of weaponry to the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and ISIS-K and, by extension, China, because now Afghanistan is under the watchful care of the People's Republic of China. That means also rare earth metals that are in Afghanistan are under the watchful care of China. That's very dangerous for American national security moving forward, that our weapons, our technology, that we, the taxpayers, spent a lot of money or had a lot of money extracted from our economy to develop, to produce for our national security, are now in the hands of our enemies. And China is an enemy. Russia going into the Ukraine and disrupting majorly global security, the world's food supply, cutting off the flow of fossil fuels to Europe. And apparently Europe needs fossil fuels very badly. Otherwise, they would not be introducing such stark austerity measures, telling people, here's how much and when and whether you can use electricity or run the AC or run the heater in your businesses, in your homes. The so-called MAGA Republicans are a lot of the folk who work in the industry that I work in, in oil and gas here in the U.S. And if you would not have tried to sabotage our ability to do business, producing reliable, inexpensive, plentiful American energy, Europe would not be hostage to Russia right now. And arguably, Putin would not have tried to do in the first place what he has done and is doing in the Ukraine. And we're just not supposed to talk about that, apparently. Establishment Republicans who conveniently cut deals and enrich themselves and pad their own pockets, flatter one another, pat their Democrat colleagues on the back. The establishment Republicans do not represent our interests sufficiently in our view. And yet you get people who actually do represent our view and the contempt which career politicians like Joe Biden feel on a deep visceral level for Americans like myself becomes readily apparent. I think something Donald Trump said has been echoing in my brain watching the business with Mar-a-Lago and the IRS beefing up its staffing and this latest news this week of XL Energy, who we get our electricity from here in Colorado, my family and I. XL Energy, for everybody who has a smart thermostat, has remoted in and overwritten what 
the smart thermostat can be set to at the lowest. You can't turn it down lower than 78 because to do so apparently is going to use too much electricity. So we're having our electricity rationed if we have smart thermostats now. I don't have a smart thermostat installed. I have one on the shelf. But nevertheless, that's what the Democrats have brought us to. From energy abundance and inexpensive energy to shortages of everything, global insecurity, food supply insecurity, energy insecurity, insecurity of critical supplies of microchips that our economy and our military and general American modern society depend on to move forward. Those are all threatened because of actions taken, postures taken, positions taken by this administration. And yet they want you to believe that, to say, I look at the evidence, I, I look at the evidence, he says there's not even a shred of evidence supporting concerns about election integrity in 2020 or the legitimacy of the so-called results of the 2020 election. He says there's not a shred of evidence. Well, that's very curious because tens of millions of Americans think there's actually a lot of evidence and that you denying even that there is evidence is still more damning. To listen to Joe Biden speak, you would think there has never been anything like election fraud. That has never happened. It's impossible. And that's just not true. He obviously believes that politics can be corrupted by a desire to win, which overrides all other priorities. He obviously believes that. And for that matter, if he believes that MAGA Republicans are a threat to our democracy, our republic, our country, our way of life, they're a threat to this nation, if he really believes that, well then, how could the Democrats not have cheated to win? They were talking that way about MAGA and about Make America Great Again and about flyover country supporters and voters for well before 2020, actually in the run-up to the 2016 election and all through Donald Trump's administration and ever since. And yet, I think that January 6th was the Reichstag fire, American style. It was a setup. It was made for TV. Let's let a whole bunch of people in, and then we spring the trap. And we use that as the pretext for going after everybody connected to the previous president, everyone who supported him, everyone who could help him make a comeback, everyone who shares his ideas, everyone who might ever dare to try and stop our relentless pursuit of progress as we see it again. And yet, <laughs> even to say that, that too is being portrayed here by the current president of the United States as a kind of insurrection, as a kind of threat, even in and of itself, to our country. It's a one-way street, as he sees it. He is allowed to call us a threat to the fabric of this nation to our national security, he's able to label us a threat. But if we say, no, actually, you're the threat, well, then that proves that we're the threat. You see, it's a heads I win, tails you lose. It's very manipulative. It's very dishonest. It's very dark. And really, I'm not as concerned about the red light illuminating Liberty Hall. And I'm not as concerned about two Marines flanking him in the background 
What bothers me is what he's saying. This idea that to believe America was great again under Trump and was slated to become even greater still before COVID was unleashed, speaking of made-for-TV, the thwarting of the 2020 election was made in a lab. It was designed in a lab as a sabotage. I think it was a bioweapon to use against a very dangerous political rival in former President Trump. I think it's curious that the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots across the U.S. seem not to be so much a thing. I think it's very curious. Now that Trump's out, we don't have these Black Lives Matter Antifa riots all the time. And maybe the reason for that is because those folk feel like they're getting what they want. But never did we see. January 6th was the last-ditch effort to try and pin an equivalence of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots on conservatives, on flyover country, on Republicans. That was the last-ditch effort. It was a Hail Mary because otherwise what would stick in everyone's mind And it still sticks in most of our minds, I think, and everybody's minds that I engage with through conversation. The Black Lives Matter, Antifa riots across the U.S., that was political violence. Democrats still in their cities, unable to get a grip on out-of-control crime, violent crime, and only having one idea. Let's print money and let's give it away. Let's take people's guns away. Oh, and then let's also demonize Republicans and conservatives. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Who is responsible for political violence? Uh, We are? We are. Really? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Back again to the speech. We'll listen to some more. I believe in the give and take of politics, in disagreement, in debate, and dissent. We're a big, complicated country, but democracy endures only if we, the people, respect the guardrails of the republic, only if we, the people, accept the results of free and fair elections, only if we, the people, see politics not as total war, but mediation of our differences. Democracy cannot survive when one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election. Either they win or they were cheated. And that's where the MAGA Republicans are today. (laughs) They don't understand what every patriotic American knows. You can't love your country only when you win. Just so. Yeah, just so. I No, I... I agree with that. You can't just love your country when you win. But here's the problem. What if we did actually win and the election was actually stolen and there was fraud and it wasn't just Democrats. It was also Democrats with the help of bad actors abroad who don't like us, who are enemies of ours, who paid for influence through your son, Hunter Biden. What if there's collusion with something like a deep state? And the FBI agent just last week resigned who had pushed internally at the FBI for investigations of Donald Trump, had tweeted out very disparaging things of Donald Trump and Trump supporters and Republicans, and yet also pushed 
for Hunter Biden's laptop to not be investigated. There are a lot of crimes documented on Hunter Biden's laptop, and yet even for the American people to be informed about that in the run-up to the 2020 election, you Democrats said it was Russian misinformation. You Democrats pushed social media to censor the New York Post when the New York Post was trying to cover that story and bring that information to the American people to make an informed decision. What is that? You only love your country when you win? I think so. I think so. It's for the greater good, though, in your minds, and it's not in ours. It's not for the greater good that you would conceal important information about you potentially being compromised by foreign entanglements, taking bribes, essentially, from Russia and China and elsewhere. While you were vice president, while you were a senator, as you are up for election to be president of the United States, the full court press running interference for you, and then if they didn't where they didn't, you maligning them as misinformation, Russian misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, and then maligning Americans who say, no, actually, I saw that story. I read that story. I tried to share that story. I couldn't, and I smell a rat. You maligning conservatives and Republicans and Americans with (laughs) some ability to think independently, you maligning them as a threat to our democracy, our republic, our country is the very thing you're talking about MAGA Republicans doing. That is actually the unpatriotic participation here. It's a very curious thing. It's a very curious kind of patriotism that would say we're going to accept money from Russia and China through our relatives, accept foreign interference with our corporate media and social media. We're going to accept domestic interference by covert agents calling up social media giants and telling them to suppress the public discourse about the options in the last election, in the 2020 election, we're going to say that's patriotic. Making an informed decision in an election requires that you have access to all the information. Being able to discuss and convince and persuade and debate requires that you not have your social media account disabled and locked out indefinitely because you tweeted a mean thing to Chris Jolly Hale, like myself. I said, what a retarded thing to say to Chris Jolly Hale, failed candidate for Congress in Tennessee. I tweeted a mean thing to him, and my Twitter account is still locked out six months later. I think it is now. It was a 12-hour suspension. It shouldn't have even been a 12-hour suspension. We're six months in, and they still haven't even reviewed my second appeal, unless they reviewed it much the same way that you establishment types, Republican and Democrat, reviewed evidence of election fraud in 2020. You know, those things are happening across the U.S. and disproportionately affecting conservatives, independents, moderate Democrats, Republicans, Trump supporters. And they have been for years. And then you have the audacity to get up and lecture us about not being very patriotic. No. 
I only love my country when I win. No, no. Actually, if you really believed in democracy, you wouldn't be accepting money from Russia and China. You wouldn't be giving over tens of billions of dollars and trillions of dollars of American investment to the Taliban and ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and then by extension, China. If you really were so patriotic and for democracy, you wouldn't be censoring conservatives, political opponents online, if they question your actions or try and bring relevant news stories to the attention of their family and friends in the run-up to an election. You wouldn't be censoring that and maligning conservatives who say, hey, wait a second, it looks like there's a lot of election fraud evidence here. Hey, wait a second, it looks like there's a lot of evidence that this COVID business was a coup d'etat and the creme de la creme was to remove all the safeguards due to COVID, remove all the safeguards regarding mail-in voting, voter ID, remove the poll watchers if you disagreed with their politics because they disagreed with your politics, and then turn around and say, if that's a problem for you, well, I think you're just a sore loser and not very patriotic, and you might even be a threat to the democracy. And now we're going to weaponize the IRS and... That same IRS has been known in recent years to target conservatives for special audits, special attention. That's harassment. Now we're going to weaponize the FBI, and we have, and you did, you did for years and years. Ever since Trump announced that he was running for president, you weaponized the FBI against him. You and Barack Obama weaponized the FBI against Donald Trump. And before that, you were leveraging the CIA and the FBI against conservatives. And that's part of the reason why Trump won, uh, ran in the first place. That's, that's part of the reason why he won, but that's part of the reason why he ran in the first place. You couldn't cheat hard enough, and so you got sloppy. And when we've caught you in little pockets, in little key strategic places across the country, when we've caught you, you say, well, you can't share that online because that's MDM, misdis and malinformation. That's fake news. And we're going to label you a domestic terrorist threat even. We're going to claim that you are stoking political violence to even talk about there being evidence of election fraud. And then you're going to predicate unity and a path forward on us just being quiet and forgetting all of that. You're going to say that patriotism, actually, if you were were really patriotic, you would just be quiet already and let us do what we want. That's very manipulative, and that's very dark, and that's very abusive. That's a, that's abusive power. When Mark Zuckerberg says he was contacted, they were contacted at Facebook by the FBI and told that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian misinformation, when all of a sudden billionaire Elon Musk is getting investigated because he's trying to buy Twitter, and you're going to harass him because he's going to take the boot off of the neck of conservatives and independents and moderate Democrats online so they can actually speak. You're going to investigate him because he's demanding information on what percentage of Twitter accounts are actually just bots. And those bots are put there by somebody. And when we see the censorship of conservatives online, when we see the harassment of Project Veritas, for instance, 
when we see vandalism of pregnancy centers across the U.S. and churches across the U.S. because Roe v. Wade was overturned, don't lecture us about political violence. Some people's idea of free speech is that they get to say whatever they want, and if anyone talks back to them, that's a travesty. I'm reminded of that. And that's exactly the way to think of Biden's speech here in Philadelphia on Thursday. But let's play another clip. I will not stand by and watch. I will not the will of the American people be overturned by wild conspiracy theories and baseless evidence-free claims of fraud. I will not stand by and watch elections in this country stolen by people who simply refuse to accept that they lost. I will not stand by and watch the most fundamental freedom in this country, the freedom to vote and have your vote counted and be taken from you and the American people. Look, as your president, I will defend our democracy with every fiber of my being, and I'm asking every American to join me. Throughout our history, America has often made the greatest progress coming out of some of our darkest moments, like you're hearing that bullhorn. I believe we can and must do that again. And we are. MAGA Republicans look at America and see carnage and darkness and despair. They spread fear and lies, lies told for profit and power. But I see a different America, an America with an unlimited future, an America that's about to take off. I hope you see it as well. Just look around. I believe we could lift America from the depths of COVID So we passed the largest economic recovery package since Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And today, America's economy is faster, stronger than any other advanced nation in the world. We have more to go. I believe we can build a better America. He believes we can build a better America. Okay. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of a certain cousin of mine who just recently joined Protestia. And it reminds me of a video of his podcast that I was watching just the other day, and I sent it to some of my friends to have them watch it as well and get their feedback on it. But one of the things that was picked up on by a couple of my friends privately was that there's this odd conflation, you know, because my my cousin who just joined Protestia is a pastor, and he's talking about the wimpiness and the sissiness of Christians who say they've been hurt by the church. And he's talking about, in all of his examples, it seems like Christians who say that they've been hurt by pastors of churches. And I'm thinking to myself all the while, well, wait a second. Okay. So, you you know, we all agree pastors can hurt uh, parishioners and pastors can say and do things that are wrong and bad and not godly and not true and not helpful and that are harmful. If there's life and death and the power of tongue, then things said can be life-giving or they can be fatal in some sense, if internalized, if believed, if acted on. So we have to believe both things, but it's a curious thing, this conflation, this conflation of the pastor with the church, as if the pastor is the church and then 
the church members or the people visiting or checking out a church to see if that's where they should go and take their family. They're not the church, but the pastor is the church. The members are not the church, the pastor and the leadership. They're the church. They're the really true church, the church of churches. But the people actually in the pews, the people who are stacking chairs, they're not really. They're not really. In fact, if they say, you, the pastor, you, the leadership, have wronged me, you sinned against me in some sense, they are attacking the church. They're hurting the church. That's what this sounds like. That's what this Joe Biden speech to me sounds like. You question me you're questioning America. You disagree with me, you're disagreeing with the idea of America. You criticize me, you are un-American. That's wrong. That's no way to engage in the public discourse. That's totalitarianism. That's tyrannical. That's despotic. It also reminds me of Dr. Fauci saying that to criticize him is to criticize the science. To criticize him is to be anti-science. No, no, no. We object to you. We don't object to sound science. We don't think you're actually doing good science. We think you're corrupt and we think you're hurting people selfishly for selfish gain. We think you're corrupt. We're not against science and you are an arrogant SOB if you want to say you are the science. Some pastor who acts very badly and abuses his family and embezzles money from the church and threatens mortal harm on his elders and deacons, if they hold him accountable, is not the church. He's gone rogue. He is not the church. But it's a very curious look to say, we need to <laughs> embrace democracy, but if you try to make sure that there's no fraud in the election, if you try and reform the election laws so that nobody can cheat, well, that's cheating. That's, that's cheating. To tell me I can't cheat, that's cheating because the rule is I win. But if you only love your country when you win, that's not patriotic. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's why I'm criticizing you. That's why I'm a patriot and you're not a patriot. You're a corrupt politician. You're a demagogue. And there's this guy in the background, by the way, you hear Biden referencing you can kind of sort of make out what he's saying over the bullhorn, but he says, you know, the darkest days in American history, like you're hearing over there. And then later on, he kind of walks that back. He's like, you know, then they're, they're, they're free. You know, that's, that's one of the benefits of being in a democracy is that you're free to be ridiculous. It's like, okay, well, you're calling these people ridiculous because they can't be heard any other way. The TV cameras are going to keep rolling when you're on them. The microphones are going to keep picking up sound when you're speaking. And so the only option they have, because they're being censored online, having their social media accounts locked out, suppressed, shadow banned, their only option when you're going after their news outlets and saying they're fake news and they're Russian misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, anytime they say something that's critical of you or your family or your business dealings or your family's business dealings, their only option is to talk over a bullhorn. Now, that isn't to say I endorse what's being said over the bullhorn. I don't think that's appropriate or respectful. There's a certain um, let's go Brandon chant, shall we say, that you can make out here and there. Let's, let's, let's go Brandon. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. I don't think it was let's go Brandon, but I, I think it was the, the actual thing that was said at that NASCAR race. 
But see, that's just uh, that's another example. You can clearly hear if you go back to that NASCAR race where uh, oh, what was it? I don't think it was ESPN. It was some other major sports uh, channel. The reporters interviewing the driver who won the race, and you can clearly, clearly, clear as day, hear the crowd chanting "F Joe Biden," except not F, and the reporter spins it in real time and gaslights the viewer and says, oh yeah, we can hear the crowd saying, let's go, Brandon. They're not saying, let's go, Brandon. Let's be clear. But now we're saying, let's go, Brandon, and you take our meaning. That's indicative of the whole kit and caboodle. And that's something that the establishment Republicans have been just as guilty of. They hold in contempt flyover country, rural America, conservative America. And ever since the days of the Civil War, there have been exactly that kind of Republican lawmaker, legislator, government official, politician, party boss. There, there, there have been just those kinds of establishment Republicans he's talking about having worked with so well over the years who were very ready, very happy to pressure the Lincoln administration to call an end to the Civil War. Leave slavery alone. You step down. Give them what they want because we just want peace. If the kinds of Republicans that Joe Biden likes had had their way, it's possible that slavery would never have been abolished in the U.S. and that the Democrats in the South would still have their slaves, whether they were still part of the USA on the other end of the Civil War resolving itself that way. Who knows? But actually, my ancestor, my great-great-great-grandfather, George Fisher McFarland, was a schoolteacher up until the Civil War. He actually taught schoolteachers, and he recruited what was known as the Schoolteachers Regiment. The 151st Pennsylvania Volunteers was known as the Schoolteachers Regiment because it was so heavily comprised of schoolteachers. My great-great-great-grandfather, George Fisher McFarland, was a lieutenant colonel, but then became the commanding officer when the colonel and the company surgeon went to Washington, D.C. They both got sick and had to take leave. My third great-grandfather, George F. McFarland, lieutenant colonel, led men at the Battle of Gettysburg and helped cover the retreat for the First Corps. He lost a leg and lost use of the other leg, but they held off a couple of regiments from North Carolina, some of the most well-equipped and battle-hardened troops on the Confederate side, so that the First Corps, commanded by Major General Abner Doubleday, who would later go on to be mayor of San Francisco and patent the quintessential streetcars San Francisco is famous for, Abner Doubleday credited McFarland, the McFarland, he called him, with a nod back to Scotland and the fact that George F. McFarland descended from Scottish barons and chiefs all the way to the days of William Wallace and Robert the Bruce. And before that, Doubleday credited my great-great-great-grandfather with saving the First Corps and by extension the Army of the Potomac and by extension the Union cause that day. So don't talk to me about who's patriotic and who isn't. Let's continue. 
American manufacturers come alive across the heartland, and the future will be made in America. No matter what the white supremacists and the extremists say, I made a bet on you, the American people, and that bet is paying off, proving that from darkness, the darkness of Charlottesville, of COVID, of gun violence, of insurrection, we can see the light. Light is now visible. Light that will guide us forward, not only in words, but in actions, actions for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for America. Even in this moment, with all the challenges we face, I give you my word as a Biden, I've never been more optimistic about America's future. Not because of me, but because of who you are. We're going to end cancer as we know it. Mark my words. We're going to create millions of new jobs in a clean energy economy. We're going to think big. We're going to make the 21st century another American century, because the world needs us to. That's where we need to focus our energy, not in the past, not on divisive culture wars, not on the politics of grievance, but on a future we can build together. All right. So that's the last clip I'll play for you and subject you to. But let me just say a couple of things. One, it's a curious little jab thrown in there randomly that doesn't follow and it doesn't lead into the next point he's making about white supremacists. It's like, there you go again. There you go again. Calling us racist, calling us white supremacists, demonizing us, villainizing us, which is ironic given your ominous Church of Satan motif there in the background with the red lights lighting up the uh, Liberty Hall. It's a curious way to go about calling for unity to say that we're all a bunch of white supremacists. And oh, by the way, the Make America Great Again crowd, that was a big thing we were for in voting Trump in the first time. And I would say, but for election fraud and COVID shenanigans and the coup d'etat waged by the deep state and corrupt politicians of both parties, Republican and Democrat, we would have voted him in a second time. We were very much for make it in America, bring manufacturing back to the U.S. You know, it's funny. I've been saying on this podcast for years and in my recent podcast episodes even, emphasizing it with everything going on between China and Taiwan, with everything that the fall of Afghanistan, the surrender really of Afghanistan last year portended, and now we've got Ukraine and Russia. We need to bring manufacturing of semiconductors and microchips back to the U.S. because that's a major strategic prize for China in China wanting to take Taiwan. Now, there's lots of symbolism. They would want it anyways because they've lost face and continue losing face so long as they don't take Taiwan back. But look at what they did with Hong Kong. We don't want them doing that with the Taiwanese either. And they would do it, I think, even harder and worse to Taiwan than they have done it to Hong Kong, what they've done to Hong Kong. But as far as our national interest is concerned, Taiwan is very, very important. We need a reliable source of semiconductors to make the modern world go, to make our military go. The future of warfare 
is microchips and semiconductors and high-speed internet and hackers and good computers and good hardware is required. It doesn't matter how smart your people are. If you don't have good hardware, that will be your limiting factor and you will lose to the country that has the good hardware. Just this week, I was contacted by a recruiter to consider a job with TSMC, which is Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, I believe is what that stands for. TSMC just built or is in the process of building some of what I've read. It says it'll take them between 10 and 12 years to finish it. A first of its kind in the U.S., five nanometer chip factory in Phoenix, Arizona. And here's where this gets really, really personal for me with regards to Joe Biden's speech. I am really, really tempted. I am really tempted and I maybe should do it. And I'm praying and you can pray for me, but it is really, really tempting. And I've got this weekend to think it through, think it over, get back with them. They would pay relocation. They would pay me a base salary that is a little bit more, just a little bit more than what I make right now, but with lots of overtime. They would put me through three weeks of training before I started. I think the factory is supposed to start up production in October, but $12 billion with a B, $12 billion is going into the building of this factory in the U.S. because the U.S. government and U.S. industry and U.S. commerce wants Taiwan manufacturing of semiconductors here in the U.S. for lots of very obvious reasons, for lots of very practical, pragmatic, and important reasons. And part of what frustrates me about Joe Biden, it's not just the dishonesty, it's not just the fraud and the corruption, it's not just the maligning of people like me, casual lying about us and maligning us, it's also what he's done to the economy. At the end of the day, it's the economy, stupid, worked as a campaign slogan because it's true. When the mortgage officer tells you, I'm sorry, I can't get you financing to buy a home, and you've been renting a house for three years, and the property management company is slow as molasses if they respond at all to do repair work on the house you're renting at a rate you never would have dreamt of ever paying for rent. I would have never dreamt of paying this much for a mortgage, much less something I'm not even going to own at the end of it. And so I want to buy a house. I want to buy a house, a home for my family here in Colorado. And guess what? I can't. And Biden's policies and Governor Polis here in Colorado, his policies have made that impossible. Three days from now, today's September 3rd, Three days from now, we'll mark the three-year anniversary of when we moved to this house in Greeley, Colorado, and we love it here. We love the families that we know here. We love Summit View Community Church in Evans across town. We love our neighbors, two houses down that we go to church with, our kids play with. We love the homeschooling community that is so supportive of us and which we get to bless and be blessed by. We love the families that we know here, but my first priority is and must be to provide for the needs of my own household. If I don't, I'm worse than an unbeliever. That's black and white, plain as day scripture. Also plain as day is, listen, you who say, 
today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, live there for a year, work and make a profit. Why do you brag about tomorrow? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm paraphrasing. Instead, you should say, God willing, we'll live and do this or that. And that has to be my approach, given the circumstances. I don't control (laughs) the economy, but by golly, I support the idea that we need oil and gas. And yet we have an administration which has made it untenable and very, very insecure. It doesn't matter how record the profits are right now for oil and gas because we have an administration here in the U.S. which is very unfriendly towards American oil and gas. wants to destroy it. He campaigned on destroying American oil and gas, all the while taking money from foreign governments, which would love to see that happen, all the while taking money from foreign actors around the world, which would love nothing more than to see us dependent on them, just like Europe is dependent on Russia right now. Shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline, campaigning against the Dakota Access pipeline, campaigning against the construction of more oil and gas infrastructure, drilling, completing, producing new wells here in the U.S. And then the prices go through the roof and nobody can afford to travel because it's prohibitively expensive and the cost of everything goes up. And all of a sudden, XL Energy is telling people they can't turn their thermostat below 78 because it's a crisis. And I'm looking at all of this and I'm thinking, I feel a bit cornered. And that's just the frank truth. That's not politics. Even if I liked the guy, which I don't, but even if I liked the guy, at the end of the day, it comes down to math. You know, I, I like the people that I work with. I like what I'm doing for work. I like the people we go to church with. I think they like me pretty well. I know they love my family. I think most of them like me pretty well. I'm not always or usually everybody's favorite, but that's all right. And yet for me to be frustrated about those things, for me to look at, okay, how can I contribute with my podcast and my writing to us thinking and being reasonable about these things? Joe Biden would have you believe that as a husband coming up on 16 years of marriage, as a father of eight, as a homeschooling father of eight, as an author, as a family man, as a working class, rural America, blue collar, who is trying to work his way up in the industry and in our economy, I am a threat to democracy. My way of life is a threat to democracy. My way of life is a threat to America and even the world. They've got to save the planet, not for me and my children, but from us. And yet, if that upsets me, if that bothers me on a deep level, I'm the problem. I'm the one who's not patriotic because I only care about winning. You know what? Winning for my family looks like us being able to buy a home. Brass tacks. Winning for my family looks like not considering selling one of our vehicles. Winning for my family looks like not having to live in a home where it's like pulling teeth to get things repaired, even though you're paying $2,000 a month. My rent, our rent here, not including utilities, by the way, our rent here is $2,000 a month. And we've got broken tiles all over our kitchen, dining room, laundry room, bathroom, library, a porch that badly needs painted, and that's known, carpets that need replaced. They probably needed replaced, honestly, when we moved in. 
and the pictures online did not represent what the house looked like, but we rented it unseen, sight unseen, because I was offered a job down here. We've lived here three years, and I'm the one who takes the flack. See, that's the frustrating thing. I take it from the President of the United States, and I will also take it from my immediate circle. And it galls me that to say, this is not tenable, I'm in trouble for. I'm looking at the math, and I'm saying, the math does not work. Something's got to change. But on the flip side, if you do nothing, if you just passively say, okay, well, whatever it will be, it will be. Again, I go back to the conviction that he who does not provide for the needs of his household is worse than an unbeliever. That's inescapable for my conscience. I go back to the conviction that I shouldn't boast. I shouldn't brag. I shouldn't say, we're going to be here forever just because we want to be. What does the Lord want? Maybe the Lord wants us to move to Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know. You can pray for me. As I said, time will tell. The Lord knows. But bringing it back to President Joseph R. Biden's speech on Thursday night, it adds insult to injury to do this to my family, to put us in this position, and then to say, when we object, we're going to be censored online. When we object, armed FBI agents might show up at our house and seize clothing items and gifts and books and thousands and thousands and thousands of documents that have no secret, top secret, classified markings on them whatsoever because they did that to the president. Armed FBI agents might show up at my house to investigate me because I'm questioning the legitimacy of the 2020 election or I'm for election reform laws being passed so that dead people don't vote, so that illegal immigrants don't vote, so that people don't vote for other people who they're not, so that people don't vote multiple times when they're just one person. Armed IRS agents might show up at my house to audit me because I was mining Bitcoin, because I invested in cryptocurrency and lost everything, by the way, because I think some very savvy people in our government may have sabotaged the crypto markets. All for the greater good, of course, but that was a little bit of a Hail Mary. Hey, you know what? I can mine some Bitcoin until electricity prices go cost prohibitively high. Well, then I'll take my winnings out. I'll stop Bitcoin mining because I can't pay the electric bill with all these things running, but I'll take the monies out and I'll throw them into this other cryptocurrency. Let's try GameFi, game-based cryptocurrency. Oh, and then you crash that. Well, Nevertheless, I guess IRS agents might audit me, and I'm sure they'll be entirely fair, right? They'll be entirely fair, and if they're not, you won't hear about it because that would be un-American, or so we're told. It's dark stuff. I think Joe Rogan's right. Vote Republican. (laughs) In the absence of a better idea, vote Republican and make sure they're not the establishment types who would have thrown in the towel on the Civil War prior to victory. Vote for Ulysses S. Grant type Republicans. That's what I say. Preferably ones who don't have a drinking problem and who have better judgment where business advisors are concerned and where people to staff their administration relates. That's all the time I've got for this episode. I gotta run. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.
You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.